This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. Um, as I was thinking about week two, uh, for those that were not here last week, I want to encourage you to listen to the message online. Um, but what we're basically doing with this whole series is helping us as a church but also helping us individually see our role, see the mission of Christ for our lives, and to be ready. So we're going to be talking about five pillars of readiness uh, for the mission of Christ. And I want to be very clear um, that God is more interested and more ready and more excited about partnering with you than we may even be with Him. He's on the edge of His seat ready to partner with us as a church for the things that are coming down the line, uh, not only for us corporately, collectively as a church, but for you as individuals. Um, As I was thinking about this series, and we were uh, just coming in this morning, I was thinking about the picture of Hannah's 4 by 100 meter uh, relay team um, that I shared a bit of the story last week. But as I thought about this, even the title Ready, Set, Go was so important. Before they got called to their kind of their areas where they were supposed to stand, they were all just huddled together in this big group in the middle of the field, and they're chit-chatting, and they're talking about, you know, I'm sure life and school and fun and summer and all these other things. But you could see they weren't ready for the race. They were just kind of, you know, just enjoying life. And then there was, you know, a siren that goes off, and they're all called to, you know, the eight teams to get ready to get lined up. And then you can see them getting in their lanes, and you can see the, the, you know, the, the, the runners kind of walking back and forth in their lane, and they're getting ready, and they're getting excited, and different things are going on. And I'm sure there's a million and one thoughts going through their mind, like, okay, I can't drop the baton, I can't drop the baton, I can't drop the baton, I can't drop the baton. Or I don't know what else, maybe someone's walking back and forth thinking, I want that new sweater from The Gap, I want that new sweater from The Gap. I don't know what it is that was going on in their mind. But the moment that the gentleman with the starting gun got up on that platform and went, ready, set, go. And away it went. There was an intensity about the focus of those runners. I looked at Hannah because we were fairly close to where Hannah was standing. She got the baton and she was down in a crunch and she was ready. And the moment she saw that guy get up on the stand, she was just like... Eye of the tiger, it's the thrill of the fight. You can see it in her eyes. It was there. You know, there was a whole bunch of different songs that were going through her head, I'm sure. But I want you to understand that we are very strategic with even the titles that we pick for our series. Ready, set, go does not mean that we can just chit-chat about whatever. It doesn't mean that we can be standing still in the middle of the field waiting our names to be called. It means your names have already been called. And it means your team has already been called. And it means your team is in their positions for the race. And it means that there's a siren about ready to go off. There's a gun about to sound. And you are intensely focused on the mission that you are now about ready to fulfill. There's an intentionality to it. So I want you to understand something very significant this morning. 
No matter what you're involved with, no matter where you work, where you live, who your neighbors are, doesn't matter. You have a purpose in the greater mission of Christ to make disciples in the entire world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and lo, He's with you for the end of the world. You have to understand, the mission is here. The mission is now. It's not one day. Guys, youth, the mission is not 10 years from now when you've graduated university. The mission is now. The mission is now. The mission field is right in front of us. So that is what this entire series is about. Five pillars that we can stand on. Five pillars that we can build into our lives that will help support our journey toward the mission of Christ. Not just toward it, but fulfilling it. If you believe that for your life, say amen. amen. So our key verse, again, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 to 27, it says, you've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes race. Everyone runs. One wins. Run to win. I think it's good, good news, right? All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that's gold eternally. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else all about it, and then missing out on it myself. I I have news for you today. We are on the cusp of something. Thanks, honey, for your... Thank you, church, for your underwhelming support. Wow. We are on the cusp of something. Okay. Slightly better. Okay, I'm feeling better about myself. That's good. All right. Obviously, last week's message on passion didn't quite kick in yet. Or you haven't had coffee yet this morning. And I'm going to go with the second one. Okay, we're going to go with the second one. Okay. You have not had, uh, yeah, you haven't had your, let me see, Starbucks, Tim's. Where do we go? Starbucks? No, Tim's? I don't know. Okay, where? But today we're going to talk about a pillar called power. And I'm going to have fun this morning. Um, I'm one of those guys where I love to read, I love to study, and I kind of look, like to look up on things. And um, for those that are kind of into science, I, know, I think I saw James. James is here. James will be able to conv- either tell me I'm wrong or hopefully support what I'm about to say. And if I'm wrong, uh, just say go Oilers. That'll be my hint. Okay. <laughs> and uh, when I looked up this concept of power, I obviously understood it scientifically. I remember physics class. I remember grade 12 physics. I actually remember grade 13 physics for those that are old and uh, enjoyed the five years of high school. Instead of calling it a victory lap, we actually called it a lap. Right, yes, anyhow. Um, But when you actually understand the word power in science, um, you'll know that it is literally a derivative of work in relation to or with respect to time. And so um, I'm I'm not going to go into this big, long diatribe about this thing. I just want to give you a very, very simple kind of picture of what this means or what this looks like. But if work is done faster... Uh, there's, the power is higher, there's more power exerted in that sense, and if the work is done slower, power is smaller. So just to give a context, if we were asked to get on that same track that Hannah's team ran uh, a couple weeks ago, it's 1,600 meters, or sorry, 400 meters all the way around, then if we were to be asked to run 
400 meters as fast as we could versus somebody who is walking it gingerly. There's more power exerted with the person running faster than there would be than the person walking gingerly. So, when you look this up scientifically, it says this, that more power is seen when the system is both strong in force and fast in velocity. So, strong in force and fast in velocity. And I honestly believe that that is exactly what Jesus envisioned when he said, wait for the gift of the Father, the Holy Spirit, because when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to be able to do exceedingly more than you could have ever imagined and quicker than you could ever have imagined because of the Spirit of God working and infusing every single thing that we do. In other words, His impact is immeasurable. We can't quantify it. His influence is exponential. We can't even paint a picture of it. It's so much bigger than what we ever thought. So I want you to understand that the power of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament church were so supernaturally and intimately connected, you could never divide the two. You couldn't. I love this quote by Warren Wearsby. It says this, It is futile for us to try to serve God without the power of the Holy Spirit. Talent, training, and experience cannot take the place of the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen to that one. We are done without it. I want to read a verse in Acts chapter 1, and I'm going to just jump in. It says in Acts chapter 1, verses 3 to 5, this is Jesus' last conversation with his disciples before he was to leave the earth once and for all. Um, And it says this in verse 3. It says, after his sufferings, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Now, whenever I read that verse, I kind of chuckle because it's like, what more convincing proof that you are alive, that you are alive? <laughs> Why did you need to convince that you were alive when you're standing in the room talking to them, living and breathing and showing the scars in your hands and your feet and your side? I don't know about you. I didn't need any other proof. I just needed Jesus walking in the room. It's good enough for me. You know what I'm saying? So I want you to understand, the Holy Spirit walked in the room is good enough for us. Because now that he's left him, anything's possible. Okay. Verse 4. Oh, it says, And he appeared to them over a period of 40 days. So if you were fasting one day and you were hallucinating, the fact that he was there for 40 days means that the day that you weren't fasting and hallucinating, that you actually remember that you saw Jesus. So you couldn't make up an excuse like, I had a bad day and maybe I'm seeing things. There was 40 days of proof of Jesus Christ alive on the earth. Actually says in 1 Corinthians that over 500 people gave an account or saw that Jesus was alive after his death. Interestingly enough, the historian, not Christian, but secular historian Josephus, actually spoke to some of those accounts, which is, again, an amazing story. It goes in verse 4, On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them his, uh, this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my Father promised, which you've heard me speak about, For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So, I don't know about you, um, I'm not that smart of a guy. I I don't overthink things too much. I I try to simplify things down so that I can understand and and be able to communicate it to not only myself, but to a bunch of other people. And I love gifts. How many have ever done the five love languages? Right? And we all have 
different kind of love languages of how we receive love or how we give love, Christmas is a highlight for our kids, and it's a highlight for the largest child in the house. You know what I'm saying? I love Christmas. I've always loved Christmas. There's something exciting about Christmas. And I want you to understand this morning that when Jesus is saying here in this verse is, is if I can put a modern-day Cameron version or paraphrase on it, he's saying, Christmas is coming in Jerusalem. And I got a really big Christmas tree, and it looks awesome. And there's lights everywhere. And there's even, not the tinsel, but I got the popcorn strings because I like to eat every once in a while the popcorn because it's so yummy as long as there's enough salt. But that's the one we love. And there's this giant, amazing angel at the top of the tree. And there's one box under the tree. One. And it's for everybody. And they're like, but you didn't give something specifically to me? Yes. Somehow he supernaturally has every name ever written or ever will be born on that box somehow. I don't know how he does it, but that's what he did. And he says, that is my Christmas gift to you. And in one version in John, he actually says that I have to go so that the Holy Spirit will come. I asked this a number of months back. I said, if you had a choice between Jesus in the flesh or the Holy Spirit in you, which one would you choose? And most of us, if we're being honest, we always go with what's tangible. We go with what we know. Well, I'd like Jesus, right? The miracle maker, the savior, the awesome, cool guy who started the crave for Birkenstock sandals. Started it. He marketed it. It was awesome. Or do you want the Holy Spirit? And Jesus actually declared, it is better for you that I leave so that the Holy Spirit comes and empowers you to do the mission that I'm about ready to give you. They're like, okay. Problem is, is they didn't know what to look for. Right? Sometimes we have to put ourselves right in the middle of the scenario and go, what would I think if that's what I heard from Jesus? Okay, go wait in Jerusalem. Okay. Wait for the gift of the Father. Okay. It's called the Holy Spirit. Sounds good. What does he look like? Um, it's not so much what he looks like. It's You'll feel the effects of it, kind of like the wind. You don't see the wind, but you see the effects of the wind. And then they're probably sitting there going, okay, um, so how will we know when he shows up? You'll know. Can you give me a hint? You know, I'm a planner. I'm an organizer. I have to be prepared at least 17 years out. I need all my lists, my sticky notes, and everything's got to be organized. Oh, you'll know. What am I supposed to do? Go pray. And pray what? Just pray. For how long? Not going to tell you because you'll stop. He didn't say go pray for 10 days. He just said go pray. 10 days later. Is the pastor going to call a 10-day prayer meeting? Is that what we're going to do now in the month month of August? We're going to have a 10-day prayer meeting, and we're not going to go home. We're just going to bring our pillows, and we're going to just pray 24-7 for 10 straight days. Okay, I'm going to be in Hawaii when that happens. All right, I'm just telling you right now. I will be golfing for the 10th straight day in Hawaii. No, I'm kidding. 
But this is what he's saying. He's saying, get ready for my gift. And it's not just a gift for you, but it's a gift for all. And it's a gift for all because it's the very empowerment that will cause you to be activated in order to fulfill the mission that I'm giving you. Jesus is basically saying, the mission I'm about to give you, you can't do. There's absolutely no way that you can do it. So I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit who's going to empower you to do it. How many have ever had tasks that you started and you're like, why in the world am I doing this? There's no way am I ever going to get this done or finish this or figure it out. I have no clue what I'm doing. But then the Spirit of God comes upon you and you can do things that you could never ever do in the natural. Goes, okay, what's the gift of the Father? Acts 1.8, but you will receive power. Dunamis, the English word we get is dynamite. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my what? Witnesses. In Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Power to do what? To have another prayer meeting? Nope. Power to be witnesses. You know, one of the greatest proofs of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life is when you boldly witness about Jesus. It is the evidence, the greatest evidence, that something's happening on the inside. Think about this. If we're all being honest this morning, how many are nervous, anxious, fearful about telling other people that are not Christians about our faith? How many have ever gone through this routine where you're trying to almost talk yourself into the moment and then miss the moment, feel guilty, live in the shame of that for the next 20 years and then miss the next one and then get beat yourself up and then miss the next one, beat yourself up? I want you to know Jesus already knows what that person needs to hear. He just wants you to be in tune with the power of the Holy Spirit so that you're speaking not your thoughts and not your opinions but the opinion of God for that person's life. And when we take the approach of deep care and compassion for an individual, it's amazing what God can do through you. A.W. Tozer said it like this, the spirit-filled life is not a special deluxe edition of Christianity. It is part and parcel of the total plan of God for his people. And if you believe that, say amen. amen. I love this. They waited for 10 days. Acts chapter 2 comes along, verses 1 to 4. This is where it gets weird. How many love weird? Okay, all right, good. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. That's a big state. That's a big start. They're all together. One version says they were all in unity. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. I love how they describe it. It wasn't just a wind. It was a violent wind. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. That separated and came to rest on each one of them. Matthew chapter 3. I, John the Baptist describing to people, I baptize in water, but Jesus who's coming after me will baptize with the Holy Spirit and? Oh, interesting. Hmm. Is this what he was talking about? And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, I want to say very quickly, that the baptism, the infilling, the whatever you want to call it, of the Holy Spirit is a supernatural experience. Supernatural things happen. 
I had an experience many, many years ago in, uh, in one of the houses that we grew up in where I, uh, I decided to get very bold and creative and try things that I had never tried before. And so I wanted to wallpaper my room. That's back in the days when wallpaper was really in. Remember? And I decided to get an exacto knife and try to cut out the hole where the receptacle was. And I did my best guess. And I missed. I missed the spot I was aiming for. And I went right into the receptacle with metal. Can I say to you this morning that I had a supernatural experience in my bedroom. (laughs) Right there, right then. And I felt things I've never felt in my life. And for one moment, I understood what 110 volts going through your body instantly felt like. It was a supernatural experience. I didn't feel my three fingers on my right hand for about an hour and a half. I'm looking at them, they're like... You know, you're trying to get them to wake up. There's nothing waking up. How many have ever laid on your arm the wrong way and it takes like an hour to get it to wake up and then finally you're starting to move? And you're like, you don't want to act like you're walking like this all the time, but you feel like you're walking like this all the time? That's what it felt like. I couldn't grip anything. But I want you to understand, the moment the power of the Holy Spirit comes on our natural bodies, supernatural things are going to happen. So one of the things that we have to just be okay with is if something happens to us that is not within the range of normal. Because if we want a comfortable mission, I think you're going to live disappointed. I just, I really do. I really do. But what God wants is for us to say yes to the gift that is under the Christmas tree every single day for us. So many people struggle with the power of the Holy Spirit. And as I shared last Sunday, oftentimes God chooses to offend our minds in order to reach our heart. That's what he does. Now, now I'm going to offend all the people that love just what I said. Everyone that just went inside were like, oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, they're all going to grow up. Come on, they're all going to get with it. Come on, the Holy Spirit's the way to go. Now I'm going to offend you. Are you ready? Okay. So if you thought that and inside you're like, oh, yeah, I'm awesome, then here it comes. Are you ready? Are you sitting down? Okay, good. What is the purpose of the power of the Holy Spirit? And this is where most charismatics lose everyone. It is not to do the shakes on the floor for 17 hours in a row in order to prove to you that the Spirit of God is on you. Emily, wasn't that amazing? Like, what? I never knew that. Pastor Cam, you're the best. Thank you for sharing. Like, awesome. Uh, You know what I'm saying? It is not to roll down the aisle in order to impress the people next to you that are not rolling yet. It is to witness and to preach the gospel to those that don't know it. And so, I've grown up in the charismatic Pentecostal movement. I've been around it. I've seen it. I've seen everything. I've experienced a lot of really amazing things. I've seen some really wacky things. And you know what the conclusion I've come to? 
is listen to how each individual is talking about their experience, and it gives it away all in about three seconds where their focus is. Give me three seconds with those people, and I'll tell you right now, they're more interested in the heebie-jeebies and the feely-wheelies than they are with allowing the power of God to be harnessed so that they are on mission. Now I offended both camps. Now we're good. Are we going to keep going? Okay, we're good. All right. We're good. All right, all right, all right, all right. Okay. So, chapter 2, verse 37 to 41, says, uh, interesting thing is at the end of this big prayer meeting and this amazing explosion of the supernatural, Peter responds to the entire group like this. He says this. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? I wish that happened every service at our church. I don't know what's going on with my life. I don't know what's going on with you guys, but I just want what you guys got because my life sucks. I don't know what to do. Can I get what you got? And our response will be, yeah. Right? I hope so. And if not, um, there's another church down the street. I'm kidding. Okay, what am I saying? Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe. Okay, it says, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That's step one. That's the first baptism in water. You shall receive the, what? Oh, Christmas. Chapter one, Christmas. Chapter two, Christmas. You ever seen the Lego movie? Spaceship, 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 spaceship. You know, it's like that. Christmas. Every single day, Christmas. I have kids, and I see all the movies. I'm sorry. I know every line from every movie. Lego Batman was the best. Just saying. Okay. All right. Moving right along. Just saying. It says, for the promise is to you and to your children. I love this. The, the, the father always thinks generationally. Hmm. Goes to the promise to you and your children, all too are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. That was a great end to a message. Somehow it worked. I haven't tried that one yet. Maybe I should. Maybe. I don't know. Be saved from this perverse generation. What? Maybe that'll just happen in 2019. I don't know. But it worked. How do we know? 3,000 people responded to the altar call and said, I want Jesus. Maybe we've Toned everything down so much that we're missing out here. Just saying. Just a thought. I'm not saying we do that, but I'm just saying the body of Christ in general. Okay. He goes on. Verse 13 in chapter 4, it says, This is the account of the religious leaders who saw Peter and John and all the disciples going crazy. They said, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. I have news for you. That the kingdom of God is open to everybody. You don't need to be a Bible college graduate to be used by God. It helps, I'm sure, but you don't need it. You don't need to be the smartest person in the world. You just need to be submitted and surrendered to the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do. And man, things are awesome. And it says, and they marveled and they realized what? They had been with Jesus. Oh, I love that. I love that. So, Peter is obviously recognized as having tremendous boldness. He gets to the end of this chapter, and look what he prays. Now, 
Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. He didn't think he had enough. I was like, are you kidding me? So he goes, I look upon their threats, Lord, and I just want you to give me more boldness for what you want to do. Okay. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaking. I love how Jesus does this. Oh, my. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God. What? Boldly. Was it about rolling down the aisle? Nope. Was it about having another long 24-hour prayer meeting? Nope. What was it about? Speaking boldly the gospel message of Jesus Christ. I love what A.W. Tozer says. He says, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we would do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. And I'm not necessarily speaking of our church per se, but we do have ways to grow with this, for sure. But the body of Christ, the church at large, I think this is a description of the church. I wish it wasn't, but I think it is. Or I love as Reinhard Bonnke says, the less Holy Spirit we have, the more cake and coffee we need to keep the church going. (laughs) He has a gift of bluntness. (laughs) But I want you to know today that God is ready for this mission. He is declaring from heaven, ready, set, go. Ready, set, go. Ready, ready. I can just see the angels now in, in like echoing. Ready, 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 set, set. You know, you can just see it going on. I can just, I can picture it now in 17-part harmony. And somebody is on the bongos just wailing away. I can just see it in heaven. I can feel it. And somebody in heaven at the same moment they're about to say go is in the Australian version of heaven playing a didgeridoo. Come on now. <laughs> you know, just I can just feel it. But that is what's happening when he says, ready, church. Get set, church. Go. There they go. I love this quote. I would give credit to whoever wrote it, but I don't know who it was. But it's brilliant. The power of the Holy Spirit will do for you what a phone phone booth did for Clark Kent. It'll change you into a different being. The gift under the Christmas tree is the phone booth. And it's up to you whether you want to Take it or not. You can take it and leave it. You can take it and pass it on to somebody else. How many of you have ever given a really pre- a present that you've thought long and hard about and spent a lot of money on? You give it to them, they pass it on, they get to the next one. I wish I could say it's never happened, but it happens. It happens. We've all done it. We've all given that gift and we've all passed it on like it was nothing. We've all done it. But think about how God would feel if we took the gift and passed it on. Think about it. He's wrapped it. It's got the most incredible bow on top. It's got every name of every human being that's ever lived and will live on it. And he's simply saying, open it up. It's my gift just for you. 
take it. Go into the phone booth. And when you come out, the enemy is going to be scared out of his mind. I want to end with a a little Bible college lesson, if that's okay. And I'm not expecting you to remember this, although there will be a test in 20 minutes. There's two words that we talk about in Bible interpretation. One is called exegesis. One is called isogesis. You're never going to remember that ever again. It's okay. I will not hold that against you. But I want to explain the difference, and then I want to explain how this connects to this theme of power of the Holy Spirit. Exegesis, in a nutshell, is an objective look at the Bible which allows the Scriptures to interpret itself and to prove a point itself. Isogesis is when you already have an opinion of something and you're looking for Bible verses to support it. Isogesis is completely wrong interpretation of Scripture. Exegesis is accurate, is correct. In other words, we're not looking to understand or define Scripture according to 21st century culture. Because if that was true, that'd be a mess. The problem is, with regards to the Holy Spirit, there are too many Christians that are trying to understand the Holy Spirit with a preconceived idea about Him. And they put Him in a box of their own comfort. Holy Spirit, if you do this, I'm okay. If you do that, no, 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 no. No, I'm not doing that. And the Holy Spirit doesn't feel welcomed. We need to welcome Him. We need to put out the big red carpet and welcome Him. I want you, over the summer, to do one thing. Just one thing. I want you to reread the book of Acts. And I want you to read it with a completely unbiased, objective perspective. And I want you to read it with one very simple question. God, what does this mean for me? What do you want for me? What do I need to do in order to see that? And what you'll start to find is the Holy Spirit will start working on some areas where we have actually lived in eisegesis. We've tried to create a box for the Holy Spirit to fit in. When we started Impact Church uh, 11 plus years ago, um, we had gone to all these church planners conferences. We'd gone through all of this material. And we had book after book after book after book on how to plant a church. And it's amazing when you're going through something like that, you get a variety of opinions as to how to do it. But I'm going to share with you the six or seven thoughts that kept repeating over and over and over again. Okay? Ready for this? This is what we were told. Have a good building. Oh, that one's out. (laughs) We don't have one. We've just been everywhere. One day we smell like popcorn. Now we smell like really ugly, athletic clothes that have been here for 53 years. Anyhow, okay. That one's out. A great worship band. Well, you know, we said, there she is. Honey, you're going to have to do your best Dick Van Dyke impression from Mary Poppins, the original, and do the whole, you know, the bang and, the, and the, all the other things. I don't know if you've ever seen the Mary Poppins original with Dick Van Dyke. He's got hooked up to every little 
instrument, and he's playing them all at the same time. I'm like, how do you do that? So our worship band was Sandra. How many are grateful that we had her? Right. So I looked at that, and I went, okay, well, we'll try our best. A sound system. That's important. That's what they told you. If you have a great sound system, many people will get saved. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. A safe place for kids. That's good. I, I'm, I'm a fan of that. I'm a big family guy. A great message. No pressure. Yeah, you got to compete with Stephen Furtick online. Oh, yeah, right. Well, I'm not as buff as he is, that's for sure. And then the last but not least that was repeated in every single quadrant and every single course was a great marketing campaign. And everyone that was in marketing from St. Lawrence College said, oh, yes. And that's what we were given as the formula for perfection. Have you noticed something missing? You know what I did? I had a conversation with somebody at an exponential conference in Orlando, Florida about 13 years ago, and I said, the problem that I have with all of that is that I read the book of Acts, and 3,000 people came to Christ without the use of a microphone. And from what we understand, there was no kids' ministry that day. They weren't in a building. His message was four lines long and 3,000 people came to Christ. There was not a great message. As a matter of fact, the message was hurtful and offensive. Repent, you perverse generation. Oh, yes, I want to come to Christ. Yes, I want to come to Christ. <laughs> yeah. That's what I always wanted. Tell me how bad I am. Just tell me again. Tell me again. Tell me again. But it wasn't a great message. I look and I go, I could do better. I got a PowerPoint. He didn't. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> what kind of loser was Peter? <laughs> you know? But they had the Holy Spirit. That was the calling card. As a matter of fact, they all noticed how dumb they were. They were uneducated and undrained. But man, they got something on them. I don't know what that is. Yeah, they can't quote the Bible like those Pharisees can. They didn't have to. Spirit of God came upon them. So I want you to understand a very basic thought, and I'm going to pray, we're going to end, we're going to go enjoy the wonderful day today. But if your version of church somehow leaves out the Holy Spirit, I want you to reevaluate the way that you see your mission in God. Because this church cannot do what God is asking us to do. We cannot be a city-reaching church without the power of the Holy Spirit. It's that simple. We cannot do it. The only thing we will become is a great copycat of other churches' systems and ministries and slogans and graphics and wow. Yay, Jesus. Now, I do think we should do things well. I really do. I think we should do things in excellence because I think Jesus deserves that. So we're going to do our best. But you have to understand, 
Without the power of the Holy Spirit, we are nothing. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.